You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 152 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP Zoe Wilson. Hey everyone, it's Krisha Buckley with another MVP Buzz Chat interview, and I'm talking today with Zoe. Hello. Hey Christian, delighted to be here. It's great to have you. And and for folks that don't know who you are, why don't you give us who you are, where you are, and what you do? Brilliant, thank you. Uh, so I'm Zoe Wilson. I work at a Microsoft partner in the UK called Agilisys, where I'm the director of innovation and customer success. Uh, and that is quite a mouthful, I know. But um, you know, my, my job really is kind of getting customers excited about what the art of the possible is with technology. And, and that's the thing that that I really love. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the um, I mean, there's there's a bit of the evangelism side to that kind of role. But it, it very much is the I love the whole art of possible. And this kind of goes back like early in my career, like, in fact, I wrote an article on this like a decade ago, which was, uh, you know, when you're introducing a new technology to uh, a set of users, how much do you tell them about the new before you try to understand what they actually need? And then how much because the problem is that when you ask them, well, what do you need? people will tell you what they need through their lens of understanding of what's possible. So if you tell them though, if you start the conversation by telling them everything that's put possible, then it skews their, what they need into this, you know, and we need to have dolphins that have lasers on the backs. Uh, <laughs> we need to have teleportation, you know, um, they, they, they ask for too much there. And what's the balance there? So how do you yeah. balance that? Getting people excited versus keep them grounded in what do you really need to get to the next level? Yeah, and, and it is about that finding that balance. But um, I think it's the customer base that we work with that helps with that because we work predominantly with the public sector. Hmm. So they've got quite a specific set of needs. They've got, um, they, regardless of which bit of the public sector they are, they, you know, they've all got similar challenges around budget and increasing demands. Um, so it's it, it it's I think applying that lens to it really. So so making sure that we're talking to their specific problems and actually from a community perspective, I love it because you don't need to kind of um, rein it into the things that are specific to the sector. But yeah, from a customer perspective, it, it's um, finding finding the balance. Um, but but it 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 really helps if you if you can kind of paint that picture around. You know, look, th these are the possibilities. This is how you can be more productive. This is how you can do more with less and then work it back through the things that are most important to them. Yeah. And I agree. It's, it's um, I think it's a refining process, like any requirements, you know, what, what do you actually need? What is the, what is the impact of that? If we go and do it's, you know, having worked in product management teams where you're actually building product uh, and where you have to prioritize because you have a uh, even Microsoft, as big as they are, people always say, why don't they just add this feature to SharePoint? Why don't they just do this with Teams? They're like, well, there's a finite number of people working on that. And there's some big things and a lot of integration, a lot of things to think about and to work across there. And so they're, they, they're also having to prioritize what they can do, what they should mm -hmm. do, um, you know, and test those things out. And then what are the stories are around those? And so 
you know, no matter what role that we have, like I work for an ISV, you work for an SI partner, you know, going out doing that, provide the solutions. We're constantly having those discussions where we're kind of tempering the, like, here's what's possible in the future. Doesn't mean like, but yeah, but what's in the future? There are so many steps in between that future vision and where you are today and the necessary path to get there. Yeah. And, and you know what? Um, Microsoft it sounds like, like such a downer. Sorry. Uh, you know, bring <laughs> well, people no. down, they get excited about stuff and they'd be like, no, 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 no. Maybe someday. <laughs> I think, I think it's important to be realistic about it though, because um, for, for me, Microsoft fever was like a breath of fresh air because it gave me something that was new. It was people focused and an opportunity to go in and talk about really topical things with customers. But just from a maturity perspective and the, the you know, whether they're, they're in SharePoint, whether they're using modern SharePoint, there are all of these things from a technical perspective that they have to have in place to even think about using Beaver, um, but helping them understand what they need to do to get there and start actually making some intelligent decisions fairly early on, I think is really important because it at least helps them set the direction and understand where it is they're going and, and what that direction of travel is. Yeah, there's a, it's funny that you say that because I actually have done a session at two uh, conferences now on preparing for Microsoft Viva, but so much of that is Again, I, I don't mean to like dampen people's excitement around things, but just fundamental things that need to be done on the from like an infrastructure standpoint. Um, you know, things like going and cleaning up your information architecture, having mapped out like the permission structure and, and looking at that all have direct impacts in your ability to go and roll out viva components um having actually built your strategy mapped out your learning paths before you go roll out a, pool, mm -hmm. a, a tool it, you don't just magically find you know the, the structure your learning strategy by having a tool like don't make that mistake there's a lot that you can do before you ever go and deploy a new technology to prepare for that and then you'll yeah. get more out of that solution once you're there yeah, absolutely. Well, it's like my, migrations are like that. There's so much that you can do before you actually use a tool or or apply a script and start the process to clean up. Like, do I really need to move all of those things which I've I've queued up to be moved? And you know, and what's the priority? What's the uh, of each of those? Anyway, yeah. Well, what was your so let's let's talk about I, I like asking this question around your path to MVP. So what was your path to becoming MVP? What what did it, what finally kind of pushed you over the edge into MVPdom? Um, well, so, so if you take a step back right to the start of my community journey, actually, um, you were one of the people that inspired me. So the very first community event I ever went to was SharePoint Saturday in London. Uh, I think it might have been 2017. And yeah, I remember, that was I remember Steph Matthews organized that and a few others. And yeah, I just remember yeah. that, that whole experience, I'm sorry, is have like all I remember is Andy and uh what's the what's the chicken place that was right in there? He was doing consulting for anyway. There was a lot of talk about uh Nando's. Nando's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So so at this point I was completely naive to um, you know, so the fact that this amazing community existed and I went along because I wanted to learn about SharePoint. Um, I didn't, I was so naive. I, I planned to come for the day and didn't even realize that SharePoint, SharePoint in the evening was a thing. So I was very disappointed when I had to kind of toddle off in the evening because I planned something else. 
Um, but yes, yeah, uh, that just, um, it just inspired me. And I think the fact that, you know, you'd kind of traveled over to the UK to do this um, and were sharing your experiences just really got me thinking about how great it would be to, to actually do that. And then it was SharePoint Saturday two years after that, um, where I had the opportunity to actually speak for the first time. Uh, and I just fell in love with it. You know, I mean, um, I like I like to talk anyway. I, um, you know, I, I, uh, I like the um, community aspect. And it's if you go back to when I was in my 20s, I was involved in kind of music communities and, and that kind of thing. So I've always liked community. Um, and I'm passionate about technology and helping people. So um, once I started, that that was it really. Um, and it's been uh, an absolute pleasure getting more involved um, over over the last couple of years. You know, I always I always tell those stories. Like my my people say, well, like, are you nervous up on stage? Everybody gets a little bit nervous. Like, uh, but not really. But for me, and what I missed a lot of it, kind of you, you speak to like in your 20s, mine was I was in a rock band. Uh, uh, so in the in the early 90s, for three years, I was a lead singer of, of a band. So getting up on stage and singing, and we did all originals, never covers. And, uh, you know, you kind of, kind of, you know, uh, you get weaned very quickly of the uh, mm -hmm. away from the nervousness and, and going and doing things. But I, I loved that social aspect of that scene and the locations and talking with people and that aspect of it and uh, you know, and so i i just gravitated towards that type of community so kind of a similar thing so yeah it's been you know the the, the community is so much of what you make it to be and uh it, so it's you know we need people who are and mostly like mvps do this who step up and say i'm not seeing enough that's happening in my local region I'm going to start something in the local region. I'll be the person who pulls this stuff. But it's a lot of work to go and do that. But that enables other people then to go and kind of pick up the banner and help you or take it on and do it themselves and and hand off. So it's this, you know, what's the, there's phrasing if I had been more prepared um, for that, that, that continual renewal process that yeah. happens in the community. Yeah. Uh, and and so, so just before we went into lockdown, I mean, what is it? Almost two years ago now, isn't it? Yeah. I was in um, yeah. in Glasgow for the Scottish summit. Yep. Uh, and that, I mean, everybody kind of, the, the, you know, the the after parties, everybody kind of partied like they knew it was going to be the the last thing for a long time. Um, yeah. But the the whole event was just brilliant. And then last year when we did it as a virtual event, I actually volunteered and 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 got involved. And then this year I'm actually part of the organizing team for it. And it's so much more rewarding actually getting involved behind the scenes and, and making it happen as well. And I think I've noticed a little bit of a change maybe over the last year um, with tending more towards kind of that planning and organizing and almost trying to dial back the speaking a little bit just because um, I have a tendency to say yes to too many things yeah. overcommit myself and I've got quite a demanding day job anyway as well. So yeah. no, same, same here. You know what? One benefit though, I, I keep trying to tell people is like, look, if, if you have never run an event, one of the things that I do for the community, and there's a lot of us that, that do this is said, Hey, come talk to me. I'll tell you what, mm -hmm. what's involved in some ways. I mean, look, I'm not going to uh, uh, minimize the amount of effort that's involved with, with them. I mean, I've run, I think the largest event that I have personally organized as a lead organizer was about 1500 people. So I've not done any massive conferences and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a special kind of person to do, will take that on. And I know like the, 
you know, the, 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 the stuff that like Otis and Spence and others that they do like the German event, which is massive. Like I understand what it takes to pull something like that together. Um, but on the community level, doing something, even like a SharePoint Saturday, a SQL Saturday, um, we've now rebranded ours as Microsoft 365 Fridays. Um, but, you know, the, um, it really can be simplified down into like core components and you can be very, so there's, there's kind of a, a, you know, a process, a way that we found success, the patterns of success. And those of us that have gone and done it, I mean, uh, you know, are usually the first to be like, you want to do this? like, awesome. Let me tell you what I learned. Mm -hmm. Here's what you need to go and do. Like, don't vary from this pattern. This we've, we've tried all those other things. This is why that didn't work uh, and share those nuggets of wisdom so that we see more. I, I would love to see more. And now, I, I mean, it's harder now with, with online online. There's look, there's still a lot of planning involved. The ugliest part of that is selecting sessions and having to tell people, I'm sorry, no, um, you know, that, that process is not fun. Um, but I think it's, I think it's difficult for, um, with the online as well to actually get that same sense of community. Yeah, I think it's, it it's really, really challenging. And one, one of my colleagues, um, when when he saw me getting more involved in the community stuff, uh, I was talking to him about it, and um, we've we've co-presented a lot at work anyway, so um, we know that we bounce off each other. So I was kind of dragging him along with me and getting him involved. And for the last maybe I, I don't know 12, 18 months, he's been presenting as well. And then in the autumn of last year, he um, had the opportunity to do two in-person events, which were the first in-person ones that he'd done, and I think he was just blown away by how different they were compared to um, doing doing them online and, and having that opportunity to actually connect properly. Yeah. What what do you think is going to be, I mean, like rumors of, uh, of major events starting to come back, but in a hybrid way. So I think uh, I, I won't share any info now because I'm still trying to confirm some details, but a major event that is planning to come back with about a third of the numbers of the last time two and a half years ago that they did it in person. So they're dramatically reducing the in-person and planning to do a hybrid. From your experience, I mean, what, what is necessary for a successful hybrid event? I, th I think it's, I think that a lot of thought has to go into how you engage the audience who are remote, because if all you're doing is, um, you know, you've got some people who are kind of there physically and you're just streaming and broadcasting it to the external audience. And that's just marketing. It's not giving people a chance to kind of get involved and feedback and participate. It's an extended webinar. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, and, and it's great from an inclusion perspective because you can reach so many more people who maybe wouldn't have ever been able to travel there anyway. Um, but yeah, if you, if you want to do it properly and, and actually make sure that you're giving people the opportunities to kind of participate and interact, it needs a lot of thought. Yeah, that, that's the hard part because you, so one, I know with like Microsoft loves the fact that with, by moving build is a great example. And they, they have like 10 times the number of people attending, participating in those. But at the same time, what's happened is that the content has become more marketing than it mm. has technical. Uh, it's become less interactive because it's more of a broadcast that here's the message we're trying to get out. Here's what we're sharing. Here's what's new, push it out there. Uh, and so there hasn't been 
uh, the failure there is that we don't have the serendipitous connections that are made. You and I running into each other in the expo hall, having a 20 minute conversation, exchanging business cards, go, going our separate ways. And we may not see each other for the rest of the week. Kind of, you know, ex those kinds of experiences. Not just that, sponsors. Has sponsors yeah. get any benefit out of that? Uh, my going to any major event, it's never about the sessions. Because in this day and age, especially, and we were already moving this direction. Most sessions are recorded, if not streamed live, for the for the the, uh, the hybrid portion of that. But the content is available within you know a day or a week, whatever. The content's made available, and I would spend my time in the expo hall, talking mm. with the vendors, talking with the partners at Microsoft events, going and talking with the product team at the different areas, and doing a deep dive, standing for hours getting it firsthand with the owners of the products or the yeah. features like that. Like you, you can't do that in a hybrid, no. do that. No, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just not possible. Is it? So I, I think, I think it will be interesting over the next year or two, as we see in big in-person events start to come back, I think there'll be a little bit of um, trial and error while they find their feet and, and find what works. Um, and from a from a user group perspective, I'm I'm not sure what will happen as well because I do think there's a bit of fatigue with um with online events and virtual events. Are you doing user groups? Any local stuff? Uh, so I'm actually working with a couple of other MVPs in the UK. Where there's a couple that um we're just setting up at the moment that we're planning to launch within the next couple of months. Uh, and I think there will I think the plan is for them to be online initially, but uh, you know we have to factor in some in person events. Yeah, you know, that's uh, like all of us, we're trying to kind of find our footing on that. Like we're locally here in Utah, like we've been, we just decided to make it the new normal, which is uh, we will, whether we have local or we have guest speakers out of the area, that we have a space that's at a partner, um, Journey mm -hmm. Team that does a great job, opens up their space, throws some food at people that show up there. And we do it more as a viewing party of that and then the rest of us like i'm usually have meetings going right up until that that session but i like I, like next week fingers crossed i'm planning to travel it's only 40 minutes away from my house to go be there in person the, for the mm -hmm. viewing party but you have people dialing in and so we usually have a mix where there's people from around the world that are dialing in for sessions which is fine but we you know the the real value is that that local community so yeah, yeah, we're 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 all just anxious to see at least to some degree that open back up. But the new thing is that we'll always have anyone that wants to participate can join in, which is yeah. fantastic as well. Yeah, and I think um, I think and it's there are there are absolutely pros and cons for for both both sides of the equation on this. But I think for bringing new people into the community and making it easy for people to access content that maybe they wouldn't have thought of doing before. And for giving people an opportunity to actually get involved and speak at user groups and things like that, because suddenly if people don't have to be there in person, they can apply to user groups in different countries and, and all around the world. And, and that gives them an opportunity to test content and get their confidence up. So, yeah, there's there's some pros and cons for, for both, I think. And it will be interesting to see where where this lands. So I'm interested in your perspective on you know people that have never presented like uh what do you what do you how do you get those people to to present like what what's your pitch for somebody who's thought about it would like to get involved that's consumed a lot of the content but to to try and uh 
pull them into this world? What's your pitch? Um, so I usually wear them down. I think. I mean, there's a <laughs> there's a there's a, a young woman who um, who I work with. Who uh, I mean, I've I've got her in my sights for kind of long term grooming to MVP, and she works with AI, uh, where I don't think we've got a lot of women anyway. And when I've when I've seen her present at work, she's just so enthusiastic and passionate and it just bubbles out of her. Yeah. Um, so I spoke to her, I think after the first time I've seen her present, I spoke to her fairly quickly after that and just had a chat with her about, you know, whether she'd um, considered kind of speaking on a community sense. And actually I worked with her and helped her submit for the Scottish Summit, who have a really good track for for new speakers so she'll actually be speaking for the first time in um i think june is the the, the new date that that was pushed back to yeah i i was going to ask is you're part of the organizing organizing team with that pushback has there been a reopening of uh of uh for a call for speakers or is it still just locked you just moved the people over to yeah jail? it was i, I think it, it, the, the fairest thing to do because the the call for speakers was massively oversubscribed anyway i think yeah. there was almost a thousand sessions submitted wow uh which was just just incredible um so so i think nearly everybody who submitted got one session Everybody who submitted on the new speakers track was accepted uh, and um, they, they had the opportunity to apply for mentoring as well. Um, and I, I'm not sure what will happen, actually, if there are people who can't attend because we're still waiting for the venue to confirm what the new date will be. So um, if there are people who can't make that, there may be some rejigging that, that needs to happen. But Well, I'm hoping to. Uh, so I didn't submit uh, because. February in Scotland wasn't <laughs> appealing to me to, uh, it wasn't like being there. It's fine. I have nothing against the weather, but I knew what travel would be like to get there from, from my step, but June much easier. So I'm, I, I I'm committed to being there in person. I know that like my company will, will be there. Want to, we want to do, we're looking for more events that are starting to, to, to open up We're we're sponsoring, more was starting to pick up again so i may actually be in an event down in arizona in a couple of weeks and like so things are slowly but surely starting to move back into uh normalcy and i think uh, hopefully we'll see that speed up but i hope to be over and see everybody in person there this summer yeah that would be brilliant and i i have to say I, so i went to Scot scottish summit that was in february in scotland couple of years ago yeah uh it was freezing it was wet it was cold um i hear there's wind at that time yeah <laughs> there's I, always <laughs> wind in scotland i know yeah, yeah. um i mean I, I was actually thinking maybe we'll get some nicer weather in june but um i think it might be a bit of a lottery yeah i so i've been up there look that's my family line is we're scottish irish and uh so so heavy lines on my wife's side as well up there so i i did try to to uh i'll actually be in scotland for everybody in 2023 my in-laws have rented a house for a month and so we're like how could we not just go and stay for at least a couple of weeks in, in scotland because i can work from anywhere mm -hmm. uh but to, to see see friends there so i might be uh, there and participating in user groups, but uh, I'm I'm hoping to make it in June this year as well. But well, Zoe, really appreciate your time uh, today. So, folks that want to find out more about you, get in touch with you. What are the best ways to reach you? Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can reach me on Twitter at SharePoint underscore Zoe. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for your time, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Brilliant. Thanks for having me on, Christian. Wow.